Hello. <laughs> Caught me by surprise there. Hello and welcome to Pop-Up Submissions Live. This is the show that takes you behind the scenes of the publishing industry, not just to let you see how manuscripts are evaluated when you send them in to a publisher or to a literary agent like me, but also lets you have your say on each manuscript. Yes, we're crowdsourcing the submission process and here to aid and abet me today are author of one of my favourite book titles ever, There's a Pig Up My Nose. It's the irrepressible John Doherty. <laughs> Tolstoy. Eat your heart out. And on the other side of this virtual studio, please give a massive welcome back to the incredibly popular Litopian. Yes. Annie! The fabulous Annie Summerley. Uh, we're streaming live today, not just to YouTube, but also to Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. You can be part of the show right now by leaving your thoughts in the YouTube or Facebook chat, or by using the hashtag Litopia on Twitter. We'll find your comments and we'll bring them into the show as soon as we can. Democracy in action, folks. Now, last week we witnessed a seriously big score event. Eva says, oh, I do love this. I thought it was a very enjoyable piece. I, I thought it had life. It was light, it was fluffy, but you had a feeling that there was, you know, underlying emotion and that there was a story to come. I really, really enjoyed that. It's got a lovely authorial voice. I think it's 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 commercial, writing good yeah. commercial fiction is a it lot feels like that. people think it is. We are going to look at your numbers. Good grief. Yeah, Becky Fleetwood's Dancing Fools and all that jazz. A piece of contemporary women's fiction scored a massive 80 points which means that's the score to beat on today's YA-themed show. So, let's go cracking. Here we are, our very first submission of the day. It's from Karina. Hello, Karina. And I do declare you're joining us live, which makes it even nicer for us. It's YA, and it's called Where There Is Love. And this is Karina's blurb. At his heart, Whether as Love is a story about mental illness and family dynamics. Told through the joint perspective of Jasmine, a courageous rescue dog with mixed feelings about the human race, and Sasha, a troubled teen. This is a tale of unconditional love and survival. Jasmine's unique perspective allows us to explore themes of conflict, turmoil, and pain in a humorous and quirky manner. I like humorous, I like quirky even more. Let me tell you about Karina. My name's Karina Sakura. I'm 31, I've loved reading and writing since I was a child. The character of Sasha is born from my own teenage, teenage experiences of mental health issues within a family dynamic that very much mirrors Sasha's. Although my own attempts at bringing home a rescue dog were ultimately unsuccessful, unlike Sasha's, I will forever be indebted to the love and companionship I've found from future dogs. I've completed an undergraduate degree in philosophy and a short online course through Oxford University on advanced creative writing. I'm due to begin my creative writing master's at Queen's University Belfast in September. Good luck with that. Uh, my writing for this story, among others, was integral to securing my place on my master's course. That sounds good. What sounds even better is this reading from Mel.
Where There Is Love by Karina, read by Mel. Smell, one. The smell is the worst of it. It blocks out almost everything else. Chemical. I think the humans call it bleach. It is all pervasive and makes my nose sting. If I concentrate hard enough, I can catch the occasional scent of urine and excrement, fear and longing, and food. But between it all, there is the overwhelming, lingering, eye-watering scent of chemical. I sneeze. That doesn't clear it. It feels like there is something stuck in my throat. Gack! I cough. There, that feels a little better. I nose around the parameters of my cell, trying not to inhale too deeply. I want information. Who is new? Who has gone? I don't learn much, though. I bark to show my interest. It's barely heard among the ruckus the other dogs are making. Hello, answering. I hear Bruiser's deep, calming voice. He's a boxer, bull mastiff cross. At least he told me he is. I've never actually smelt him. News, I whine. Wendy has left us. Shia and Sweep have gone too. I heard from the kennels across the way. Five new dogs this morning and a couple of bitches. Don't know their names yet. Mightn't have any. I feel his nose twitch in sympathy. I can't explain how this works. It's just something dogs know, like where the best digging is or whether you've done something against the rules. Oh, I miss Wendy, I pine. She must have gone while I was sleeping. She's got a new home now. She's got her humans. I know. I understand, I tell him. I miss her, though, I say again. I'd gotten to know both Bruiser and Wendy these last few days. I'd passed Wendy's cell on the way to my own, though I didn't realize I was getting one of my own at the time. Wendy and I had exchanged sights and smells with each other as best we could before I was yanked onwards. My first few moments were a sickening blur of barks and moods and smell. Oh, the smell that hit me like an avalanche that first day. Gack! I give another almighty cough. That's better, I decide. Bruiser spoke out within minutes of me settling in, and I have come to rely on that deep, reassuring voice to calm me when I grow frantic, not as often now, and to give me the morning, afternoon, and evening news. The others, too, have caught on to the new arrivals. They must be out in the yard. Newbies. Incomers. Seven of them. The voices grow frantic around me. I feel my nose twitch. I'm desperate to know them, too. Hey, you out there, a voice shouts, louder than the rest. It's Charlie. He has a cell nearest the metal doors. Outside lies just beyond those metal doors. Who are you? I'm Charlie. Mia. Rita. Tinks. Oscar. A cacophony of voices erupts from the cells along the row, each announcing his or her name. Quiet, Charlie booms. Can you hear us out there? Yeah, we can hear you, comes a distant voice. I'm Benji. Two of us, myself included, are here together. We're labs. There are three Staffordshire Terrier crosses, one on heat, and the news cuts short. Human intervention. Three staffies. Labs. Two bitches. Up and down the road the cries sound, and then from somewhere a deeper undercurrent, a desperate primordial knowledge, the words on heat rise to the forefront, and an explosion of barks follow. Before I know it, I'm catching the excitement and joining in. Come and get me if you're man enough, I hear the girl on heat whine from outside. The boys bark enthusiastically, bruiser among them. I fall silent. This is between her and them. Then, with an ear-splitting creak, the metal doors spring open. They're coming in here! 
Newcomers and the human. I recognized the boy, catching his scent above the smell of chemical and strain at my door. He issues an order at us. I understand he wants us to be quiet. But we're too wound up and no one pays any attention. The boy's senses will kick in soon. He'll see. He orders us to be quiet again. Thank you so much, Mel. Great reading. Um, we, we ought to have a look and see what the geniuses are saying, shouldn't we? Let's see what they're doing. Um, and Eva says, hello. Hello, Eva. And it's Muggy, Illinois, says James. Um, so Eva doesn't think the title is strong enough. However, one or two other people do like the title. For example, Pamela Jo likes a good title. Going to be tricky to pull off, but like the concept, Lud seems more clear letter than the Lutopia definition. It, it is, it is, is um, actually, it's not really a blurb. Um, Matt says, well done, it's a dog's approach. Um, and Martin kind of echoes that by saying, I've never actually smelt him, it's great. Um, but then I think the sentiment kind of changes. Um, Andy says something that I, I probably was going to make that point myself, but Andy makes it better than me. The dog feels a little too human to me. I thought that. Uh, Wolf Brother, that's book by Michelle Paver, would be the touchstone for something like this. As the wolf character has that perfect animal voice. And Barbara James says, agree, Andy. Wolf Brother is believable as a protagonist. Come and get me if you're dog enough, <laughs> says Martin. Is that better? I don't know. First first impressions there, please, John. First impression? Well, when I do this show, um, I, I do have a terrible habit of marking really high in the first... First, the first submission, book, and then the first submission, <laughs> and then and then desperately trying to go. Oh well, wait a minute. This was even better, or whatever. Um, so I'm trying not to mark too high straight off. Um, and in this one, I'm, I'm having to try really quite hard because I, I really liked it. Okay. I thought, um, uh, I, you know, I, I do get what people were saying about the dog feeling a bit human, mm. and I, I think the biggest problem uh, that that this is going to have is in some ways the tone isn't quite YA but the subject matter is yes. you know you definitely can't pitch it younger than you're pitching it um, if, if you're going to be having you know bitches on heat come yeah, and get exactly. if you're dog enough that kind of yeah. stuff yeah. Um, but the, the dog narrative viewpoint feels a bit more suitable for maybe middle grade I, I think you mm. know I think she almost pulled it off, uh, but so let's just talk about that for a moment. No, you, you, I mean yeah. you, you are you are addressing the central issue there because uh, bitches on heat is actually said quite a lot there, and I'm thinking to yeah. myself that's kind of a kind of a I don't know a, a teenage male sort of nudge nudge bad joke really is that appropriate for YA? Yes, it is. Is it um, okay? Right. Yeah. With, <laughs> I mean. Um, I, well, this is an opinion I formed a few years back, and it's always possible that the that the publishing has has changed a little, and mm. I just haven't noticed it. But my impression is that you can get away with stuff in YA that you sometimes can't even get away with in adult. Yeah, yeah if I you think see what I mean. Yeah. Um, and I and I, I I absolutely think you can. I mean, bitch on hate. These. Um, oh, what's that Melvin Burgess book? Um, is it called Lady? Or uh, there's a Melvin right. Burgess dog anyway a book about a If you don't know, the genius room will do. That's what that's the beauty of the genius. Ask, ask the genie and they'll come straight back with that. 
Yeah, okay, but it sounds yeah, about right. One actually. of you will know what it is. It's a Melvin yeah. Burgess book. It's about a teen teenage girl who turns into a dog, and he doesn't shy away from the whole going on heat yeah. aspect and yeah. and so on. Um, uh, so so yeah, it, it's it's entirely appropriate. But I think then you, you maybe need to work just a bit harder at about the uh, 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 at making it entirely doggy enough yeah um i mean that said i think i think it was barbara said wouldn't the dog's nose play a greater part and I felt would. she yes. she dealt with that with in the yeah. whole thing at the beginning you know there's this overpowering smell of bleach you have to concentrate hard to uh to pick out other stuff and i think yeah. uh, the idea that this chemical smell of bleach is overpowering the dog's nose and making hmm. a different you know that that works well oh karina's just uh, saying, yes. you know, she was. Um, Can we get that back up again? Do you think? Yeah, if Corinne's we could, that'd be great. Yeah. Thank Where is you. it gone? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there we go. Cons- yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, I, you've set yourself a real challenge there, Karina. Um, yes. I don't think <laughs> I don't think you've done it badly. Um, I think I think you're very close, um, but but perhaps just. <sighs> I think you need to to work just a bit harder to get the dogs a bit doggier. Especially, I think mm. the bit where they were all calling out their names that kind yeah. of felt a bit human to me. Quite a bit Disney to me, actually. I I would be looking for something that is is quite drastically original. If you know, because so many people have, have have tried writing from the dog's POV over the past I don't know five thousand years, maybe. Uh, I will be looking mm. for something you know wildly creative and, and different here. If you're going to do that, maybe not do that. I don't know. Um, push push your buttons, John. Meanwhile, we're going to hear what Annie thought. Okay. Right. I was waiting a second there because of... Yeah. Um, the samba the party going yeah. outside. That's fine. We'll just get them yeah. in the groove. Right. So, um, first of all, I think I found the title quite charming. I think that's quite a nice title. Um, I thought the blurb could have done with a tiny bit more detail because we're, we're getting the overall idea of what the book is, but not... Mm. I, I was missing something. Yeah. Um... I, I really liked how it started. I felt like the voice was um, very distinct and, you know, focusing in on, you know, chemicals and bleach. And there was, I think there was a voice there. But then as as we read on, it started to sort of lose that momentum that it had at the start. Because I think we were missing maybe a sense of setting or, or of atmosphere because there was so much dialogue and we've got dogs, but while we're also thinking about they're similar to humans, we're also missing kind of the setting. At mm. least that was what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and you've given it fairly good marks. So you like the title a lot. That's great. Genius Room, final check the Genius Room. Pamela J says, I really think this would be better from the humans uh, first person. Uh, we all know dogs uh, do understand and talk, but the uncertain element of understanding the alien canine language is going to give more depth. It is, actually. It's the language thing. The language thing is interesting, isn't it, actually? And, you know, science in recent years has made a lot of progress towards understanding animal language and communication. I mean, the thing... Uh, let me just say this, and let's see if anyone... 
disagrees. I said, I'm going to talk directly to you, Karina, because you're young. Your whole career is at your, your feet at the moment. Um, don't get too seduced. And my first reaction is fabulous um, about your um, uh, acceptance and creative writing masters. Um, don't get too seduced by academia. Um, writing is first and foremost a practical thing. You will actually learn a lot more by doing it yourself than you will by passive study. So even though, you know, you may be out in the next three years, maybe um, in Belfast and have a fabulous time there, please, um, still keep writing, still keep, still keep writing commercially, still keep sending it, you know, sending it out, sending it to places like this, sending it, sending it to agents, sending it to publishers, still keep doing that. At the same time, you can't just sit back and expect um, academic laurels to to get you very far in this business. They they won't by themselves. And the other thing I want to say is, so you know where you where you've started this is quite interesting. My best advice to you would be to bust out your very best writing chops right at the beginning. All right, whatever, identify what that one thing is you can do really well. I don't know what it what it is in your case, but there will be something. If, if they haven't already told you on the various courses you've been on, ask them next time round. What is what is it I'm really distinctive for doing? Get that. That's your calling card. Get that right up front on the first page if you can do. And that will, will open doors to you. Uh, let's have a look at the numbers. You got a very credible 61. I hope you're happy with that, Karina. Definitely wanted to be a more magical version of a dog. Yes, I think that would be the way to move it. But I get what you're saying for sure. Thank you very much for your advice. Extremely um, honoured to uh, to be of use. And how nice to have somebody uh, out there commenting on us. And don't forget, please, Karina, give us a like if you don't mind. Oh, my goodness me. That's cats. We've just been doing dogs. I don't know what the next submission is about. It might be about cats. It's from David. David Hilton's YA mystery thriller called Frank's House. Hmm, Frank's House. Halloran's life is collapsing around him, and his foster sister, Claudette, is making things worse. When he meets a strange man in an even stranger house, he finds just the distraction he needs. However... What he doesn't know is that his new friend Frank has a murky past and somebody wants revenge. Can Halloran, along with his enthusiastic science teacher Caroline, solve the mysteries of both Frank and his house before everybody's lives are ruined? We'll find out in a minute. Um, this is all about David. I'm 36 years old from Warwick in England. I currently work as a collection supervisor at Royal Mail, but I've always had a passion for writing. I've completed two creative writing courses, well done, at Warwick University, and I've written numerous short stories and poems. Good. Poetry particularly, actually. Teaches you a lot. Um, hello, David. Great, you're along as well. Very nice to have you. I've also delved into the world of proofreading and copy editing with the SFEP. Now, that's an organisation I haven't heard of for a Longer than I ought to have done, actually, and it's, as I understand, it's the Society of, um, is it freelance, proofreaders and copy editors, I think, something like that. Um, I'd love to know more about that. In fact, you know what, I'd love to have somebody from, from them on the show, actually, just to talk about what they do. Uh, completing many of their courses. A few years ago, I edited the published book World of Pangaea, Path of the Warrior by Michael Davis. However, my ultimate dream is to get my own writing published. And in that respect, we have a rather fabulous reading from Jeff.
Frank's House by David, read by Jeff. Chapter 1 Halloran was doing what he did best these days, staying out of people's way. He was lying on the grass in the bar's back garden, simply staring at the sky. The late September day was pleasant enough, although the sunshine could be described a little like Halloran's headspace, as rather hazy. However, the glare was enough for him to wear sunglasses to protect his sore eyes. He licked his lips as the smell of a nearby barbecue filled the air, remembering the taste of his dad's home-made burgers. As a small cloud, shaped a little like a whale, partially covered the mid-afternoon sun, he couldn't help wondering if Dad was up there. A single tear ran down his cheek as he heard the patio door open and a subsequent clacking of wood hitting wood. Halloran wiped away the stray tear with his middle finger, but neither looked at nor spoke to the new arrival. He wasn't in the mood. "'Hey, Hallie,' said a young female voice from a few yards away. "'Good to see you're keeping busy.' Halloran didn't move his head, but peered sideways under his chaise to find Claudette standing in front of an easel, with a paintbrush held steadily in her delicate hand. She had tied up her long blonde hair to avoid any accidents. He didn't waste his breath replying. He liked his name of Richard Hal, but Hallie was far from an acceptable alternative. And didn't Claudie just know it? To Halloran's great relief, Claudette said no more to him for a while, and concentrated instead on her painting. Apparently the fresh air inspired her. The temptation to leave Claudia alone in the garden was strong, especially as the country house had plenty of alternatives for places he could think about his parents. Why should he have to move? Hal had just much right to in the garden as she did. So he stayed and continued to stare at the sky, only getting up when he realised that his glass of lemonade was empty and needed a refill. It was at that moment that Claudette broke the silence. Hallie! she shouted. What do you reckon? A direct question this time, much harder to ignore. He turned to look at her properly. A slight breeze rippled the fabric of her yellow dress as she put down her paintbrush triumphantly. Reckon about what? he replied, flicking his long fringe out of his eyes. About my masterpiece, of course. I'm a shoo-in to win the school art competition. Come and look. I could do with a more common opinion. She emphasised the word common dramatically as if it would offend him. It didn't. Sighing deeply, Hal straightened his denim shorts and started walking over to Claudette and her masterpiece. Claudette frowned as Hal approached. Those glasses aren't fooling anyone, Hallie. Her voice was abrasive, but not without feeling. I know you're not sleeping properly. I can hear you walking around at night. So what if I do? Halloran didn't like to be psychoanalysed by some know-it-all rich kid. I listen to my music and I try to forget everything. The teenagers were just a couple of feet apart when Claudette started to move her arm up towards Hal, but apparently thought better of it. For the record, I do hope your mum wakes up, she said, obviously thinking words were a better option. Me too. Another tear was following its friend down his cheek. Not least so you and your stupid hair can get out of here. Claudia added, surveying Hal like he had a dead skunk on his head. But seriously, I don't know what I'd do if I lost both my parents, or even one. It always had to be about her, didn't it? By this point, Halloran had made it to Claudia's easel to find she had covered it with a sheet. You know, it's quite difficult for me to give my common opinion if you've got it covered up. I thought that would have been the first thing they taught you in a private art school. Claudette glared at Halloran. It certainly wasn't the first time. 
Thank you very much, Jeff. Fabulous reading. Um, and actually, yeah, let's just see what Jeff is saying there. In fact, because it's always fascinating to hear our narrator's take on it, because they say it slightly differently. They're like the advocates, really. Uh, and Jeff says, easy to read, neat blurb, but his emotions about dead parents slash dying parent didn't really come across. Was more about his dislike of Claudette. Yeah, that's in, in your opinion, of course. Um, Martin says, nice voice, maybe too many editorial sides. I've, I, I think that's right. Um, Matt says, blurb is kind of go ahead into the strange, dangerous man's house. It totally is, actually, isn't it? Yes, we want to get in there. Uh, Eva says, title's a bit generic. Pamela uh, says, well-crafted blurb would make me open and read the first page. So I'd read the first paragraph, skip to the next chapter or so, and then make a judgment. If it didn't get a lot faster paced, it would be a no. And Stacy kind of confirms that, saying, I'm not really feeling this beginning. Um, feels as if we walked into the garden a bit early, says Matt. Martin has a knack for setting. Sarah, I'm grounded in this scene and enjoying it. Flows nicely. And James says, kind of like the opening. All right. Straight over to you, Annie, your first reactions and thoughts. Well, um, I think that the writing's very charming. So there's mm. there's that element, and especially in the dialogue, when it was just them talking, there was something there that I, I liked quite a lot. The issue that I had with it was sort of similar to what Jeff pointed out. The emotion that he's feeling about his parents, it's sort of feels like we're being told that because first of all we don't really know this character well enough for us to care about what he's feeling about other people yeah. yet at least that's how I felt about it um, yeah. and then there was something else um, yeah it didn't really feel very thriller like for me as the like as the start because yeah. I think this is meant to be a way thriller so yeah I think that's something worth keeping in mind because when yes. you open a thriller, you, there's usually like an atmosphere to it. Mm, I wanted to be a bit more transfixed by that as well. Uh, I wonder if John was. Yeah, I I kind of feel similarly. I think for me, both the blurb and and the um, and the submission itself, they both felt like um, you get you're falling into the trap of what you you want to leave. You don't want to give everything away straight away. Hmm. You want to leave a bit of suspense, but you're not really giving us enough to have have that feeling of suspense. You're holding yeah. too much back. So yeah. with Frank's house, you know, with the blur, with the whole blurb, it was like so. There's something a bit shady about Frank. Something a bit mysterious. We have no idea what it is. So why should we care about it? And in the same way as Annie was saying about um, you know Halloran's parents and. There's obviously something's happened there. We don't know what it is. We don't know Halloran yet. So, you know, again, why should we care? I, I think you've got the ideas. You're just not getting them to us quickly enough. Um, and um, YA is not quite the same as, as children's. But even so, I, I do think one of the one of the same rules applies with um, some. Something I always say uh, when I'm talking about the difference between adults and children's fiction is Captain Corelli's Mandolin. Mm. The number of people who've read that, because people say to them, once you get past the first hundred pages, it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's most people's opinions of it. And all those people got past the first hundred pages and then found it brilliant. You can't do that with children's. No. And you can't do it with YA. You've got to... 
you've got to hook them in straight away or they'll go off and do something else. So I think I think you need more of a hook there straight away. Yeah. And I, I, think. And I kind of felt like um, you've got the idea of show, don't tell, but it, it didn't work. You know, the whole thing of trickling, the tear trickling down the cheek. And I just kept, kept you just kept delivering these... Um, little bits of, of of information suddenly a bit about his denim shorts and her long blonde hair and her yellow dress and it felt like you were just trying to drip feed description yeah. in in with the middle of the action which, now david says he's, he's listening to every word either. david is listening to every word you say and he's just made a comment on you on youtube he said that there is a 370 word prologue set 300 years earlier that sets the tone better but i wanted the characters to come through how do you feel about that young john well, um, I, th I think you probably made the right decision not starting with the prologue set 300 years earlier because... Yeah, I think so. That, that's, <laughs> not, that's not what the story's about, really, yeah. is it? That's, yeah. um, you know, that that's kind of your... Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, that, that might be that might be something that hooks people in. I've read books where it starts off with something that's completely disconnected from the main story, but feeds yeah. into it halfway through. Yeah. Um, and that's enough to get you going, oh, what is this? Obviously this comes back later, so it's worth reading the next bit to see what happens after that. Mm. Um, but but I think for, for something like this, you have to get right in with the characters. So I think you well, did think the right thing. Yeah, you, you um, took the right decision, mate. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't get me started on prologues. <gasps> I'm hyperventilating already. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, he's going to give us that prologue talk again. Yeah. No, please. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, all right. Push your buttons, John. Let's just see if Annie has pushed hers. And she totally has. Yeah. Uh, and the genius room is all fine. And Danny and Kate is there, which is fantastic. Uh, she just confirms exactly what John's been saying. You And she knows whereof she speaks. You have to hear the ground running with Children's and YA. Not necessarily with story but hooks are endearing or intriguing protagonists might well do it absolutely let's look at the numbers got a 57 so far did we get john's vote in we did indeed so that's not discreditable at all david but i'm i actually you know what i think we're on to an interesting topic here um with john about hook em. hook those young readers that's what we want to do let's uh let's just have a little diversion a little sidebar is that right with you about how to hook readers i think you'll find it interesting this is this is what john gets up to uh not uh, so many books i was I, you don't get up to in your spare time you do this all the time and look at look at well, my ostensibly favorite. <laughs> yeah. oh my favorite book title ever there's a pig up my nose i love that so much i just love that I'm so much like and that. what i learned today and made me unreasonably happy actually is that that's been translated into chinese it has yes isn't that wonderful i haven't had the chinese translation through laura the illustrator posted a picture on twitter and i'm like where's mine how come she's got one um but yes yes it has been translated you into know chinese. you've made it when when you when you get a book of which you can't read one single character but exactly. it's, it's so yeah. cool i think it's the best thing so let's just let's just uh, browse and peruse and enjoy stink bomb and ketchup face uh, dinosaurs and dinner ladies is that your your very latest one dinosaurs and dinner ladies is uh poetry actually oh. um it's not my latest but I've, I've just this week been working on the next poetry collection being uh doing all that kind of 
working oh. out which ones you're going in and which ones who's, to take who's out. Who's that coming out? Is that, is, is that Quirkus or am I wrong? Uh, no, that's with Otter Barry books. Oh, okay. Um, right. I, I have a picture book, a rhyming picture book coming out next year with Quarto, which might Quarto. be what you're thinking of. That's what I said. Yeah. Because yeah. um, uh, I've, since, since lockdown started, I've kind of been doing more poetry than anything else. Have um, you? No, that's very have, interesting. Yeah. That's very. We are going to be talking about that in a minute, actually, because it just so happens I have advanced knowledge. One of our submissions is kind of that way inclined. It's a first actually. novel, yeah. I noticed yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Isn't I'm, that interesting? I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, yeah. I won't say any more about that in a moment because um, no. I've got lots of thoughts and comments about that in a moment. But I do want to talk about this thing about hooking them, hooking them in. You said yeah. that, and I was thinking yeah. to myself, I mean, how can you not? Uh, let's look at these one more time. How can you not? pick that book up there's a peg up my nose i mean that's that's got total hook built into it and also i can tell you from the you know, publishing industry point of view you get you get a um a submission with that as a title you definitely i mean it, it stops you in your tracks it, it's it's absolutely commercial it's totally commercial i don't mean that in a bad way it's a good thing it's a good thing yeah. to sell books so yeah. what is this and this actually, magic what is this magic that you have, clearly, that you can, you can come up with these angles and these titles? And how is it that... You, this is what we call bang, actually. You know, when you have a look at yeah. um, the, um, the numbers, so you've got title, we're marking yeah. title, blurb, craft, bang. That's the, the kind of, I don't know, the, the mythical quality that, that you and other amazing authors can do. So where does this come from and how do you do it? It's, it's a mystery, actually. Um, I think many of us will will say if we knew how to do it you know if we knew what the secret was we'd do it much more often hmm. uh, and with greater frequency but also actually bang is in the eye of the beholder i mean you're saying about there's a pig up my nose stops you in your tracks actually my original title for it was the girl with a pig up her nose and okay. it was my editor at uh, at egmont who suggested um the calling retitling it, there's I think she's right, nose, actually. I think, I think oh, she's, she's absolutely yeah, right. It's a much, yeah. much better title. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the concept is great. The concept is immediately appealing. There's a girl gets a pig up her nose. How's she going to get it out? <laughs> um, do you know how long it took me from writing the first draft to publication? Six weeks. 21 years. No. Oh, no. 21 years. Oh. No. Every few years, I would send it out, or my yeah. agent would send it out. I mean, yeah. it did get me my first deal in that um, it was one of a, a number of short stories that I sent out to uh, publishers, and one editor at Random House got back to me and said, not going to publish these, but I like your style. Send me anything else you write. Okay. And That's how it happens quite, time, quite often. Yeah. Yeah. And she yeah. took the time to sort of mentor me, I suppose, and to say, Look, mm. have you thought of doing something like this? And, you know, uh, yeah. what you've just sent me is great, except for this flaw. Um, yeah. and, th and that's how I, I got published in the first place. Yeah. Um, but then every few, I, of those four, first four stories that I sent out, that was the one I kept thinking, you know, I don't know why that one hasn't been picked up. And every few years, I or then my agent, after I got an agent, would send it out. And it took... It took almost two decades before yeah. somebody picked it up. Well, you, you and, and J.K. Rowling, of course. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we, you um, know, we famously don't know what we're doing in publishing, but I mean, it just strikes me as that's such a fabulous commercial title, as are all your titles, actually. Well, and I've you. asked you, I've asked you to divulge your commercial secrets. You refuse to do so, probably because you're not getting paid. <laughs> probably because yeah. you're not getting paid. Yeah. Oh, well, there is that. But yeah. no, I mean, in, in terms of how to hook people in, it, it's it's a tricky one, but just give them something interesting right at the start. I mean, you think of James mm. and the Giant Peach, which starts off something along the lines of, um, you know, James Henry Trotter had a very happy life up until the age of five when his parents got eaten by a rhinoceros. It's, <laughs> you know, better than that. But that's essentially, you know, introduce the character, parents get eaten by a rhinoceros. Um, yeah, and uh, I mean, there's got to be. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm cackling away here, you know, but I I have no shame in any case. And I know basically I'm just an overgrown kid. I mean, that's it, actually, isn't it? If if it appeals yeah. to your inner child, you know, if you if one of yeah. those dreadfully uptight repressed people, they don't think that's really funny. You're never going to get it, and you're never going to have good commercial yeah. ideas. But if if your inner child is going, whoa, that's funny, then you know you're onto something, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but but it essentially just put some. It, it's as simple in some ways and, and as complicated as put something in the first page that grabs your attention. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, simple as that. And oh. Yeah, mm. you know, just have a read back of it, of it after you've written it and think if I'd written it, if I hadn't written this, mm. would I want to read on? Yeah. Has it? You yeah. know? Has it? Does it make me go ooh? You know, put it, put it in your sock drawer for a couple. How'd of you weeks, get? Take it I, out again. I have it, to ask you this how? question because I know everyone listening to you will have just thought this as well. So okay, you say have a read of it and see if it makes you want to read on. But how do you get that distance between you and what you've just written so you can sort of assess it objectively? The best way is is to put it in your sock drawer for a couple of weeks. Right. If you do it the day yeah. after you've written it, you'll be yeah. like, you'll either be the, you'll either go, this is absolute genius, it's the best book ever written, or you'll go, oh my goodness, this is it utterly sucks. terrible. I could ever do, yes, of, that's right, that's right. You know, yeah. Whereas if you leave it a couple of weeks, do something mm. else, and then come back to it, yeah. you you find yourself more able to read it yeah. with 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 that objective eye. Yeah, when you when you, I mean, less physical. Are you suggesting everyone should should print their stuff out literally and physically put it away, or does it does it just you know can you just have a different file on your on your desktop somewhere and just not look at it? Yeah, you can just not look at it. I mean, yeah, it depends what works for you. With some, with some people, actually, you know, actually, very often printing something out can make a difference. I mean, yeah. um, this poetry collection I was talking about, you know, some of these poems I've read over and over and over again. Yeah. But this week, I printed them out and physically shuffled them around to try and work out which would go where. Yeah. And three or four or five of the poems, I found myself going. Oh wait! I've repeated a word there. That's huh. not very good. I need to change it. I need to. Oh, yeah. There's something not quite right there. So, yeah. printing something out physically is is worth doing. Let's just uh, Annie, because I know Annie, Annie's busy working on a number of manuscripts at the moment. I mean, when you're trying to get distance, Annie, do you do you do that, or have you got any tricks for that? Um, I like to print things out, and I'll change the font as well. So that's usually something that I'll do. Oh. If I'm using, like, if I write in Times New Roman, then I might change it to Calibri, for example, because it's just completely different. Wow. That's a very so. good idea. And, of course, you're, you're a total polyglot. 
So you could you could you know, pr- pr- write it in one language, read it in another, or something weird like that that normal people can't yeah. do. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Excellent. All right, guys. Look, we have ooh, got three more submissions. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Wow. Let's look at uh, our third submission. Then we'll have a little more chat about this because I think we're onto something good. Submission number three is from Paul. Hello, Paul. Got a QR code there, too. And you are up next. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Paul and popcorn. Oh, you've got the best combination there, I think, actually. Oh, I wish I got some popcorn today. Oh, I love popcorn. In fact, there's a cinema I go to just to eat the popcorn. I don't go and see the films. I just go and sit in the foyer and have the popcorn. <gasps> is that immature or what? It's tasty. This is from Paul. It's called Gallery Guardians. It's action, adventure, contemporary, fantasy, YA, possibly. All right. We'll give you a bit of guidance on that. Very, very short and sweet blurb. One golden pencil. One artistic teenage girl, many worlds to save. All she wanted to do was finish her homework. Ooh. Right, so let's tell about Paul. I'm a debut novelist, and Gallery Guardians is my first full-length novel. I had an idea for the book after telling a bedtime story. Oh, that's so often the case. Uh, and it grew from there. I was inspired by Alice in Wonderland TV show Quantum Leap and a little bit of Harry Potter. Um, that's a good combination, actually. Sounds like a winning strategy to me. I've always been creative, and I've wrote many stories. I think you've written many stories. I think I just don't want to correct your grammar at this stage. Uh, and created many worlds. But this one resonated with me the most. I love being creative, and I've also written songs, scripts, and short stories to keep my imagination going. Good. Well, a suitable accompaniment to that. all that wild burst of creativity will be this amazing reading from Robert. Gallery Guardians by Paul, read by Robert. Chapter 1. Into the Painting. Violet could hear the tapping of her heels on the uneven stone ground in the city that was old and full of history. She felt the power of the past as she walked by the ancient pubs, with wooden beams and places of worship with their stone carvings. She bundled up a bit more than usual on the cold winter morning, and the cobbles were a bit more precarious with the frost. Violet was a teenager, still living at home with her mum. A college student, Violet studied art and found herself travelling to the city to get some art equipment for her next term. She had recently broken up from college and had headed back home from a work placement to see her mum. Her mum, Kate, was in her late thirties and was excited to see her daughter as she had been away from home with her course. This was the perfect opportunity to spend time with each other over the holiday period. Her mum was a nurse in the local hospital, and any quality time she could get with her daughter was precious. She would grasp it with both hands. Her mum was walking beside her, a catch-up much needed between her mother and daughter. College had been busy, but it was now time for the Christmas break. The little huts of the Christmas markets housed vendors that were selling artisan goods and food that was welcomed in the icy air. Violet smelled the waft of German sausage cooking as a young boy hurried past clutching a hot chocolate. His face was lit up with glee, partly because the warm cardboard cup was warming his cold hands, even through his gloves. Maybe the other reason for his happiness was the delicious brown liquid that was contained therein. Violet and her mum had just been for a coffee, 
so Violet still felt the residual warmth of the drink inside her as she braved the cold. Vi? her mum asked. Where to next then? Violet was distracted by a bright window display, the colours and visual stimuli working in harmony to sell the wares of the shop. Everything was slick these days, mostly to sell products or encourage people to part with their money. Everything was perfect and wanted you to be too. Violet realised she had been asked a question and responded politely. I think I would like to go and get some more art stuff, Mum, Violet replied, as I sadly broke my pencil last night. Violet loved art, and she was talented. Her crowning achievement at age seven was drawing still life, a vibrant red rose, and it had a pride of place on the fridge door for all to see. It was held in place by magnets that had been brought from all around the world. Her mum was genuinely impressed with Violet's skill and encouraged her to draw more. Violet became prolific in practising her art skills, loving the colours, the style and more. This love never went away. The fridge became a mini art gallery and soon it was filled with small pictures of nearly every subject, with the original red rose A4 painting resplendent in the middle. She took her love of art to secondary school, where, at the age of 11, she graduated to, and spent a lot of time in, the after-school art club. She honed and defined her art until it was time to leave school and choose her future. Her interests varied through her teens, but art overcame them all, and, without question, the answer was for her to move from school to college, to art college. The night before her trip out with her mum, Violet was in the room drawing, and her last pencil, a graphite sketching pencil, was just about past its useful life. She tried to get the last use out of it, but the lead snapped and it was rendered unusable. The half-finished drawing, something that played on Violet's mind, needed to be finished, and she was looking forward to going to her favourite art shop as soon as possible. And there we go. Thank you so much, Robert. Great reading, as always. And uh, one of the um, uh, most uh, fascinating aspects of having Annie on the show, of course, is watching her sort of dance of death with the uh, tarantula. Or is it, is it a tarantella? I don't know what it is. We'll find out in a minute. But I know it's really hot in Spain, and that's why she's doing it. Let's see what the ge uh, genius room are up to. And Andy was, is going crazy over quantum leaps, showing your age, mate. Um, <laughs> Shortest blurb I ever seen, says James Barr. Catchy! This is like the last line of the blurb, but there's not enough story to hang on to. It's, it is a bit thin, isn't it? Uh, and she doesn't like the layout at all. Eva is never backward and coming forward with her opinion, especially uh, about uh, layout and stuff. And Andy says doesn't like the formatting either, and I agree with that. Doesn't seem... It does seem a riff on Harold and Blue Crown, says Pamela Jo, but nothing wrong with stealing a good idea and making it your own. Indeed, that's how Shakespeare worked, I believe. Uh, Stacey Dale... Blurb was short and sweet, but immediately greeted by a wall of text. So we didn't like that at all, actually, Paul. Um, presentation counts for a lot more than you might think in this game. Imagine an agent, you know, or my agent's assistant, you know, evaluating 25, 50 submissions in an afternoon, and they, you know, one just looks awful. They just, they'll oh, go over it, honestly, they will. Um, Sarah, a lot of exposition in the opening. Jeff, going off at tangents time, sticking, stick to the story. And Andy says, nice writing here. I just chop it into bits. You don't have to tell us everything, especially the start. Yes, so true. James, perhaps get into the action quicker. That's exactly what Andy says. And we've 
in the in the flow after with action and dialogue and martin says exposition is weaving in more subtly general point there and the genius high mind thinking as one uh, and they all remember they're always right never wrong um matt says very much tell not show here too bad kate says goes inside violet's head instead of telling us about her and craft needs honing says martin stacy nothing action adventure in this first bit and pamela joe will tell show us this stuff this is where you're you self-edit your you mark it in red to signify you come back and add dialogue or action. That's a very good piece of advice. What did you think there, Annie? Right. Well, I think there's a. I think the author's got all the right ingredients here, because the, for example, the setting of a Christmas market and going to buy um, art supplies and everything. I think that sounds like a very nice start for a book, especially if it's about art and, you know, I really like Christmas markets, so yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice place to start. Yeah. Um, but as everyone in the Genius Room pointed out, there was just far too much telling. So even in the very first paragraph, we're immediately told about, um, about her family, I think, and then she was um, talking about her mum's um, just all the all this information that we could have found out through their interactions, um, and then there was also some like point of view kind of um, moving about. So it was it was a pity because I think that all the right um, she's got all of the right ingredients there. It's just um, maybe it needs another maybe go over it again and see if you can find a way to write it without telling as much. Yes, and I'm not going to uh, quote at the moment what Pamela Joe is saying, but I will in a minute. Uh, let's hear first from John. Right, oh, gosh, um, I think it's Martin in the Genius Room said that the sentence rhythm needs varying, and that was something that struck me like a brick in the face, actually. It's mm. very, very much the same rhythm in every sentence worse if anything something that i remember us talking about uh with regards to one of the submissions last time i was on um except more so than that almost every sentence seemed to start with violet she her or her mom yeah and when you put that together with the lack of a variation in the rhythm um it made it really hard for me to actually concentrate on what was going on. Hmm. I, I, I just kept... I, I, at one point, I was almost counting the violets and counting yeah. the she's and getting distracted like that. Um, and yet, it's one of the best blurbs I've ever read. Um, it made me laugh out loud. Um, and that shows that you can write right. sharp, punchy yes. stuff... Yes. And you can you know, you can you can come to the point quickly. You can give us information in four lines. I, I like to say, you know, it the blurb was funny and it, it grabbed me. I, I yeah. you know, I've, I've I've given the blurb five out of five. Oh my god. It it was oh yeah, the the blurb was brilliant and if the uh if the submission, if the sample had had lived up to that, I yeah. I'd yeah. be like, Wow, yeah. we got a genius here. Yeah. Um you know, you can definitely, but... Um, yeah. So this is not going to work for YAs, isn't it? They, I mean, it's going to be, it's quick death, basically, and they're just, you know, for all the reasons previously mentioned, they're just not going to stick with it, are they? 
No, absolutely no. not. And yet you can do it. You can do this. Yeah. And I, this reads to me like something where you've written it down and then mm. you haven't put it away in your sock drawer for a couple of weeks and come back to it and reread it. Because if you'd done that, you yeah. would have seen all this yourself. You yeah. know, you like I say, you can clearly write. What, what? Sorry, what's the name of the writer again? This is Paul. Paul. This is Paul. Yeah. Paul. Paul. Yeah. You can clearly write, Paul, but you need to learn to edit as well. Yes. Because uh, once once you get that, just that sort of hang on, something's not quite sounding right about this. Mm. What is it? You'll zero in. You'll go. Wait. It goes violet, violet, violet. She, her, violet, her mom. Yeah, yeah, her yeah mom, exactly. This. That's right. Uh, you know, you'll spot it. Yeah. You, you're 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 clearly capable of doing that. Yeah. Um, Pamela uh, Joe says, "Bullseye, John, great information, solid gold. Thank you very much. Well, that is that is right. That's right. Thank uh, you. You know, um, maybe he hasn't got a very big sock drawer. Maybe he hasn't got a sock drawer. Maybe it's too small. Maybe he doesn't have any know. socks." Um, well, oh, yeah. who knows? Oh, maybe, oh, maybe he only wears sandals. Maybe he's a, he's a barefoot writer. Okay, they, maybe, he can't afford, maybe he can't afford shoes. The mark of a true writer. <laughs> oh, that is, isn't it, actually? Yes, yeah. damn it. Oh, my God. So, you know, so so the marks I, I'm, I'm giving you, Paul, for this, it, it doesn't... Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't... We understand. He's that's, he's telling himself, and he's such a nice guy. John is such a nice uh, guy. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to downmark you. But damn it, he's going to. That's what he's saying. I, so, I, am, I am going. Yeah, he's to, got but, to. You got to. You got to tell the truth. Yeah. 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 But what I'm saying is that you know you can tell by there, there's some there, there there's clearly marks in the writing. I mean, somebody Martin here says promise, but craft means needs honing. Yeah. Um, somebody else said something something similar uh i stacy dale said i think much of the description is lovely but pointed out the delicious brown liquid which pamela joe also mm. pointed out that really really didn't work and if you i thought that was just me that made my stomach turn actually but i thought that was just me yeah. no it's not it, it, okay it, no yeah. it, it makes you think yeah. of poo it does um, you know, <laughs> it does apart from the delicious bit <laughs> and i thought it was just me liquid. in my very sick mind you know i'm diseased at I the know. moment you know no, I'm sorry. Brown yeah. liquid says yes. only one exactly. thing to the typical British yes. mind. You know, yes. we've all grown up in the Carry On films. Um, so, so well, of a certain did, age, um, John. No, not well, everyone. Okay, fair point. Yeah, but the thing is, again, Paul, you'd have spotted that yourself if, yeah. if you just put it away in the sock drawer for a couple of weeks and then taken yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, I, I would love to to see, uh, you know some months from now I don't know if you take resubmissions I would I would love to see yeah Paul we do we do yeah well yeah, I, would, we do. I would love to see Paul having another yeah. go at this and taking yeah. uh, account of the things that have been said you know yeah. um, uh, 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 I, I think you can <laughs> at the risk of sounding like the teacher I used to be I think you can do a lot better Yes. All right. <laughs> a story of my life. It was you <laughs> writing those things <laughs> about me, was it? Oh, hey, I'm not that old. Thank you very much. All right. All right. So I, d I have no idea, Paul, what numbers you're going to get, but you've got damn good feedback, you know, both from the genius room and from John and Andy as well. And you got a 56 there. That's very interesting. And it's, it is kind of all over the place there. Annie and John love your blurb. 
but the rest of the craft it's a division that is kind of div- it's a, a submission that's kind of uh, divided people isn't it really um we have two more to to look at let's do that right now <laughs> And if you are if you are watching us live, you might be watching on um, you know uh, Twitter or Facebook. Actually, I think we're actually going on LinkedIn as well. Um, you can comment. You can't on LinkedIn. If you comment on LinkedIn, we won't pick it up. But we will pick up your comments on Twitter if you're using the right hashtag, which is. Let me just. I think I can put that on the screen. Actually, put it on the screen. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Hashtag Latap here on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Just post a comment, and it will find its way through the uh, electronic ether and we'll pick it up there um this is from charlotte hello charlotte are you with us be great if you are it's upper middle grade novel and verse realistic fiction got it thank you very much uh qr code there so with your way to charlotte's website um meanwhile i'll tell you all about this it's called absent and this is charlotte's blurb Clara is the new girl in school who hides away and writes poetry, who can't understand why her dad left, who doesn't fit in. But she can't ignore that her blanks, times when she just spaces out, seem to be getting worse. Ultimately, she has epilepsy, although doesn't know it yet. Everyone in class likes Sam, but he'd rather hang out with Clara. When he tries to help her, it threatens to destroy their friendship. But it might just be the thing that saves her. And saves him. All right. Tell everybody about you, Charlotte. Initially, I worked with Mary Portas in her lifestyle PR agency, Yellow Door. Made quite an impact there. And afterwards in Vogue House. How terribly trendy. Uh, During my time there, I made myself a handbag that went on to become an award-winning international brand pink lining. Retailing in Harrods, Liberty, Selfridges, John Lewis, Le Bon Marché, Bloomingdale's, Fred Siegel and Saks. Isn't that terrific? I mean, that's like a a piece of commercial fiction all by itself, actually. It's amazing. Um... As well as surface pattern and product design, I also oversaw PR and marketing, and we built our SM platforms, for social media platforms, from zero to 100,000 fans. Isn't that impressive? Since selling pink, pink lining, I've freelanced and written articles for magazines and blogs, including Baby London, Angels and Urchins, and Baby London as well. I'm an author for, I can't read that website out, but I think that maybe that's the link you've given us, and did a journalism course at the London School of Journalism. That's very impressive actually and i think what's going to be even more impressive will be this reading from bev absent by charlotte pearl read by bev chapter one daydreamer have you ever felt the time dissolve and disappear float past you unnoticed into the atmosphere a daydream that drifts in and leaves the same quiet way, nibbling the minutes, making moth holes in your day. Though you try hard to remember what was going on, you have only an empty space from where the moment's gone. By Clara Hope Wren. You know when something is your fault, even if other people try to tell you it's not. You know when you're to blame. I was never one of those cute kids. 
I'm still not. But at fourteen you expect not to be. I'm made for camouflage. Pale enough to disappear, small enough to miss. In between hair, an obstinate bob, a stubby fringe, big grey eyes. Big enough for thoughts to swim in where they stay, invisible. I guess when I was really, really small I might have been a bit sweet. I mean all babies are sweet, aren't they? Anyway, I think the problem is, was, I'm not particularly lovable. Enough. A bit too difficult, maybe. Annoying. A problem. And people don't want to hug a problem. They're too prickly. Not that Mum seems to notice. Or she just loves me anyway, in spite of. But Dad definitely did. And I think if I'd just tried to be more lovable, sweeter, cuter, things would be different now. Everything started off well, good, I thought. It was just Mum, Dad and me. We lived in a rambling house with a garden so big, secret hideouts grew where the weeds went up to my knees, in forgotten corners that no one had visited in months, except for me, that is. I'd spend hours tucked away, clambering through trees, collecting small magic, a chipped stone with stored sunlight in its glittering core. A long black feather twirled between my thumbs, turning every shade of blue. An empty snail shell. And once a nest of eggs that had fallen to the ground, all still whole, except for one. I struggled to the highest branch I could, carefully placed the nest in a safe nook for the mother bird to return and look after them. I hoped she did. I now know it's unlikely that my scent me trying to save them would have warded her off, but surely it was better to try, better than leaving them as a fox-ready meal. I could lose hours like this in the garden, and hair slides, socks, even a shoe or two snagged by a jagged branch, and when I wasn't digging or climbing or saving some small creature I was D-R-E-A-M-I-N-G, daydreaming but not the nice kind that other people seem to have. I think daydreaming was where I went. Go. Wrong. Why are daydreams called daydreams anyway? From my experience, they're more like day blanks than dreams. Like closing my eyes on a summer's day and opening them seconds later to find a world white with snow. Everything's still there, yet unfamiliar and I missed the part when the snow fell. It's like an entire moment has been swallowed by a small black hole in my day, or quite a few small black holes. It's as if my day's been nibbled by moths. Hmm, I like that. A moth-eaten day. I must write it down in my notebook. Anyway, I've always been a daydreamer. I suppose not having siblings doesn't help. I've had to be pretty much self-reliant for my own entertainment. One of the good things, though, about being an only child is you get to pick your position in the family. I'm the oldest or youngest according to how I feel on a particular day. When I can't work out if the good outweighs the bad for either one, then I'm both the oldest and the youngest. That way, I figure, they cancel each other out and I'm simply fine. Not the best. Not the worst, but okay. Sometimes I wish I had a brother or a sister to share secrets with. Sometimes I'm glad I don't, 
because I get mum all to myself. Like anything, it's complicated. Alright, now the genie is somewhat riven, I think it's fair to say. Somewhat riven. It's unusual for them. Um, and Annie could do with a bit of Christmas chill about now, it seems, says Matt. I'm not sure what that relates to, but Annie will tell us in a moment. Um, intriguing title, says uh, Eva. Andy is a sweet nature to that blurb. But I'd work a loser if you uh, cliches. Title is a pleasing dissonance, says Martin. Uh, blurb more first draft, says Pamela. Ask the readers for forgiveness instead of giving, giving confidence in the voice. It does a bit, doesn't it? Especially with bits and parentheses. Um, easy to follow, says uh, Andy. I have to applaud the lyrical vulnerable quality. It is, it is. Not sure about the poetry formatting myself. Um, Creating atmosphere for Eva and Matt kind of sums up for me and little bits lovely but yeah I'm wondering about that but and I think that's where the great divide occurs now uh, a character confiding is, in us feels like a privilege says Martin and that's exactly what I'm sure you're aiming for here Charlotte um, Stacy finds the verse lovely question for those who know better than I do is this middle grade writing that's 9 to 12 yes Jeff says some really good parts, but quite self-indulgent. Uh, Martin says engaging as monologues go. And again, there's that kind of equivocal aspect there. I'm not familiar with this type of writing, says James, because might connect with it. No one is going out on a limb and saying, oh, well, Andy likes this, loves the notebook line. It's like breaking the fourth wall in telly. Loves the verse, says Sarah, and the mood is very grim, almost draining, actually. It is a bit. And Pamela maybe changes to diary entry format. Less of a monologue. And I'm finding myself disengaging within 700 words, despite liking it so I wonder John whether you also find yourself disengaging maybe with the format I don't know no not at all um, good I'm going to be slightly controversial here mm. I think this is the first piece I've seen where uh, it's disadvantaged by the format of pop-up submissions wow um, because uh, you you know you've I, I, um, am I right that it's the first so many hundred words? Seven hundred, yeah, that's it. That's it. The first seven hundred words. Exactly. Now, yeah. The thing, the thing with poetry, uh, more than prose, is that the pauses, the breaks, are yes. part of the writing. Yes. And where, uh, and in the reading, we didn't really get that, um, and that's because. You've, you know, you've got a show that ends at a certain time and we don't want to overrun. Yeah. Um, but actually, with, with a verse novel, I think you need to take more breath. And I think this is what Matt was getting at. He said, yeah. in, in little bits, I'm loving it, but it started to lose me. I'm finding myself disengaging within... That's what Matt said. I'm finding myself disengaging within 700 words despite liking it. And that's because we're getting one bit after another after another, and we're not getting the time the to, to just pause yes. and breathe in and, yes. and digest what we've just read. Yes. Um, it's kind of like reading a poetry book, and you read read a poem, and then instead of just stopping for a moment, you're straight on to the next poem. Yeah. Um, that that's no way to read poetry. Um, that's that's a very good point. I don't disagree with that at all. But what, what I want to know from you, because you know the audience better than I do, is actually are readers going to read it like that? Are they are they do they do they have the knowledge? Do they have discipline to to know that this is poetry and it's got to be approached like that? Otherwise, it's just going to go. Uh, 
depends on the reader like anything um but but if you're asking me if verse novels can work for children's fiction definitely Mm. they can um i don't know if you're familiar with the love that dog by sharon creech I'm not, but I, uh, I, I was going to mention another one to you, actually, by Louisa Reed, who comes on here occasionally, called Wrecked, which I think is extraordinary. And her publisher comes on to Bella Pearson Guppy Books. And uh, we've talked about how uh, sometimes verse, verse novels in the form of texts, you know, exchanged between people. Yeah. That's, kind, that's kind of verse too. How, I mean, yes, it so, is. Absolutely. Yeah. And L- Louisa's got amazing reviews for hers. So, you know, I guess I've answered my own question, actually. Yeah, the, the younger reader absolutely can appreciate poetry. Yeah. And there again, uh, Little Light by Coral Rumble. That's a verse novel that's uh, for, for children that's, that's well worth looking at. Um, so, you know, there's there's a lot of they, there's a lot of potential. I'm I'm not sure how much to give this on Bang, taking Bang as mm. commercial uh, appeal, yeah. simply because poetry <laughs> is currently less commercial appe- commercially appealing, partly because bookshops and libraries don't know what to do with it. And, you know, I've been in some terrific bookshops and gone, where's the poetry section? And they go, oh, it's down there yeah. with the joke books. Yeah. Um, you know, on that one shelf... Uh, between you know, with the joke books and and the books about biology that we're not quite sure how to classify, either. Um, but but in terms of the writing, I love the writing. Um, the the first uh, the first bit, the first couple lines, I thought, oh no, it's all going to be in in rhyme and it's all going mm. to be in the same meter and you can't sustain mm. that and no it wasn't. You know, I for, first of all a, a verse with with proper proper rhythm and you know the rhythm worked really well meter is a tricky thing to to master Uh, and some lovely bits of writing the thing about nibbling in minutes and uh, moth holes in the day something like that Mm. um i i I loved that there were a number of lines um in in the poem that i really liked um and then uh, uh and then the next bit it would be interesting to see how how it goes i i'm I'm hoping that there are some other poems in there that rhyme, some other poems with um, hmm. different kinds of structures, To because I think that's really important in a verse novel, that it's not all the same kind of verse, or not mostly yeah. the same kind of verse. Yeah. Um, but I thought there were, there, there were some lines that really stood out to me. There was another one, I think, about losing losing hours in the garden and hair yes. clips and combs that, that made yes. me smile. There was just... Yeah. I, I think it's got real potential. This fantastic. this one is is my favourite so far. That's fantastic. And I think I'm I think I'm going to um, I think I'm, uh, my bang score is going to adjust for poetry. If you like, I'm not going to uh, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to give it the bang. It should should it have rather is. than might have in in today's world. If That's you fantastic. Me. Great. Okay. Well, push your button and we'll, let's see what numbers look like. There it, there it is. Uh, Thank you very much, John. Uh, let's see what you thought about that, Annie. Well, I, I like this quite a lot. I thought it was... I'm not very familiar with reading, like, um, verse novels. Um, hmm. So I wasn't really sure if it's, like, following a correct structure or anything, but um, I like the way that she sort of changed the... Like, as what John was saying at the start, you know, it started out with that way of being in meter, and then obviously... Um, it changed quite a bit 
Um, and they were really nice. Um, there were some really good lines. I liked the one about the stone that had like sunlight in it, and then the part oh. about the nest. There were there were things that really stood out to me. Um, but it was a pity about the blurb because that sort of I mean the, the actual content I really enjoyed it, but the blurb was um, yeah. It made me think the second point of view that was in the blurb of um, this boy, uh, when I was reading it, I was thinking, so how are you going to fit this in in verse? Is it going to be from her point of view as well, or is there going to be a different one? Yeah. Um, overall, I think it's, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Fantastic. That's very good news. And let's. If, if I can just come back on the blurb as well, of you can. something yeah. I meant to, something I meant to say about that. I like the blurb a lot, and I thought it uh, it gave away enough without too much. Except you didn't need to say she had epilepsy. That's right. something you could have left. It's it's enough to say there are blanks in her life, and you yeah. don't need to uh, to explain that up ahead. No, we we, we, we that had that. In, I know Charlotte must have felt very strange about writing that in, actually, because they were in square brackets. And you know, yeah. when you put square brackets around stuff you're not really sure about at all. I'm not sure where I should put this in, but I'm going to in any case. Yeah, so, you yeah, don't need I that think, in there. I, I right. think it's I think better left, it. as a, left as yeah. a mystery, really, in the, in the blurb, at least. But um, I, I have epilepsy, so <laughs> when I was reading it, it really resonated with me. So I thought oh. it was very good. It's very well done. And th that's I was wondering actually, yeah. So you yeah. didn't you didn't find that offensive? You find it quite the opposite. No, I thought yeah. it was. Uh, I actually found it quite moving. <laughs> I thought it was good. That's brilliant. I'm delighted to hear that. Numbers, Charlotte. Numbers. You got a sixty-eight. That's not bad, is it? Actually, that puts you. I think. I think if I'm right in saying, let's have a look at the numbers. But I think that puts you in the lead. Oh, it does. It absolutely does. Yeah, you surge into lead there, Charlotte. Uh, followed by Karina, who is also with us live today. And it means we've only got one more submission today. Oh, good. That's nice. Thank you. <laughs> got a wave there from Charlotte. Very nice, oh, too. Yeah, that's brilliant, brilliant. brilliant. Uh, last submission of the day. Here we go. It's from Danny. Danny Butler. Haven's Hero, speculative fiction with a young adult feel, and that I think that the Butler film edit has got to be Danny Butler, hasn't it? Hello, Danny. QR code there, too. This is Danny's blurb. A soldier awakes at a lone office building in a vast wasteland. Who is he? Where's he from? Where is he going? What are zealots? Where can he find food, information, and clean underwear? <clears throat> he travels from London to Amsterdam to a constructed island called Hennigan, the garbage dump of civilization. Relearning what he once must have known, he's also kept in the dark by people he meets. Does his home still exist? Is he a killer? Does he really want to know? What if that's where it all went wrong? I'd like to know where it all went wrong. Oh, uh, Danny, this is Danny. I'm a storyteller. I've worked as an actor, mostly voiceovers nowadays, singer, performer, presenter, dancer, and writer. I appeared in some musicals and television, street theatre, collaborated with the bands, and on projects as a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, arranger, and writer. Again. While working and teaching in the games industry, an idea for a game grew into a book. 
Since then, I've been learning the craft, writing, joining writers' groups, writing more and approaching agents. Four days a week, I cycle to my cleaning jobs, which pays the bills. The rest of the week, I try to escape a very restless city by hiding in the ever-expanding world of Haven and its bee lowlands. I know people there. I must write about them. That sounds like a writer to me, because when your characters start talking to you, seriously, it's not a sign of psychological illness, it's a sign you're a writer. And this is a reading, Danny... Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, yeah, OK. So Danny actually sent his own reading in, because he does voiceovers and stuff like that. We don't normally um, let uh, authors read their own work, actually, because for various reasons. But on this occasion, Danny, you got it. So it's it's over to you, Danny. like darkness real proper darkness not artificial darkness croaked a man wearing a raincoat and fedora hat holding an overstuffed shopping bag the broken world around him lay buried underneath a mournful haze of dust between mounds of rubble wrecked cars and derailed trains one building stood tall proud ridiculous its entrance blown apart. In front of it, two silhouettes threw shadows over an unconscious soldier on a stretcher. Fedora man sauntered over to join them. From the tallest, rather bulky figure came a childlike voice. Too long now. The figure crouched down. A smaller shape detached itself, a boy with unruly brown hair. His green eyes gazed at the night sky as if peering into another world. The adults watched the unconscious soldier. One of them, a woman in a dark brown military trench coat and an elegant maroon headscarf, spoke. Her voice was soft, warm. Wouldn't he be better off dead? He would, intoned Fedora Man. It's all messed up. He made his words linger, but spat out some, his eyes betraying no emotion. Indeed, the white-haired man who'd carried the boy on his shoulders bellowed. He kicked a toppling piece of brickwork over, so it fell the other way. Do you think he'll stay put? he asked. The woman snorted. No. A faint plume of breath escaped the soldier's mouth and cut through the foul air, a hint of clarity in the polluted atmosphere. Fedora man's overstuffed bag hit the floor with an unceremonious metallic clunk. "'Well, won't they use the suit?' he said, taking a control panel out. Trenchcoat woman shot a hard look at the soldier. "'I'll deal with it. Do you have to use that?' "'We have to remove it all, not just the answers he found,' the white-haired man said. Fedora man took off his hat and placed it on the unconscious soldier's chest. The misery of his recent failures will remain, but none of it will make sense to him. The soldier's body twitched and writhed. The fedora shifted. How long? the woman asked. The white-haired man massaged his neck. We'll have to see how it goes. The boy started to shake. Too soon, too soon, too soon. He screamed at the top of his lungs. Too soon! The cry cut through the dust-filled air, echoes of an ending. The three adults watched until the screaming stopped. It's obvious what this means. We must be ready. 
Trenchcoat woman said. Fedora man craned his neck to face the white-haired man. Any thoughts, madman? I agree, the white-haired man answered. I'll continue as planned. You two oversee the situation as it develops. The three nodded. Fedora man connected the panel to an implant behind the soldier's right ear. He operated the controls. A complicated pattern of signals followed. Any last words, he murmured. No one responded. The white-haired man took the hat, handed it back to Fedora Man, then tore the name tag off the charcoal blue and grey combat suit. The soldier twitched again. Fedora Man held his hat like a funeral director at a memorial service. Dead to the world, man of the hour. All the soldier could see through the smoke was the outline of a fedora. Then it was gone. I have to rescue the boy. The village was obscured by dust. Everyone had fled the caves during the raid. Grab my hand, the soldier called out. Follow my voice, he added, feeling his way through the dust clouds. The boy was gone too. Come on, son. Choose, father had said. I can't, the soldier cried. Then die, father barked. I have to go back. Father's still up there. I can't leave things like this. Everything is wrong. On screens everywhere, a woman spoke. Safe, sound, secure. The soldier opened his eyes. The dream was gone. He heard footsteps. He looked up. It hurt. Three silhouettes moved away in the dust-distorted moonlight, one of them tall and bulky. An engine hummed. A child muttered, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, one, two, three. Not so many lights now. They are dead. Dead is walking. We know, said the madman. Oh, lots of uh, archive there too actually thank you for the additional effects there Danny we don't normally do effects either uh, so I want to know exactly what the genie is saying and thinking um, and too many questions in the blurb spoil the what cook says Matt <laughs> and Martin who I think is on fire today because he said something later that I think is absolutely sums up my thoughts at least are oh, there too many questions in the blurb <laughs> says Martin <laughs> Uh, sounds like an intriguing story, Stacey. I also felt like the blurb is a bit too heavy on the questions. It is, actually. It's a bit kitchen sinky, isn't it? Uh, finding clean underwear is what sticks out for most for me. I like that, actually, Eva. I like that. There's a little bit of levity there. Um, oh, my God, said Stacey. Danny is giving me Columbo vibes. <laughs> Voice-wise, yes, actually, <clears throat> totally. Uh, it's, a, it's a great pleasure, Danny. Thank you for doing it as well. Um, and great voice. You got you got some fans already. Great voice, adjective overload, Martin. So great reading. Um, James is speculating about the reason for needing clean underwear. Um, and he says, this guy's got a great voice. Very obviously an actor, but one of those voices sounded a little like Nixon on The Simpsons for a moment there. Pound and Joe likes the mystery of the descriptive names. This does bring it into, into the world quickly. And then Martin, Martin says, 
he says, I'm distracted by the writing from the story. And I know exactly, I think that's dead on. I, that absolutely sums up what I think. I'm distracted by the writing from the story. I think that that's bang on for me. Founder says, OK, too much mystery. Reader needs to have solid ground now to connect with the characters. So I'm intrigued to know what maybe Annie thinks. Um, well, first of all, I love the reading. <laughs> I thought That's that right. was fantastic. Totally, really yeah. good. Um, unfortunately, though, I think this is a case of something that I hate hearing personally as a writer, but I think it started in the wrong place. Um, I mean, at least it says that it's a prologue, so we know that there's going to be chapter one where hopefully the story does start in the right place, but I just couldn't... Um, there wasn't a single character that we could be anchored to. Like, I'm assuming that the soldier is going to be our protagonist, but yeah. all of these... I mean, at the very start, there was, like, a good sense of atmosphere, but then I just felt it kind of dragged on. Um, like, I, I made a couple of notes, and at the start, it was, like, visceral feeling and, and things like that, but then mm. I just sort of realised there's no one to connect to yet. And... Um, but I really enjoyed the mm. reading, so that that was good. It's just a pity that um, that you didn't send in the first chapter, because yeah. I think that would have been a better idea. Yeah, there you go. Danny's Danny's on the ball. He's preempting you there, and he, he's saying connecting happens next chapter. Well, we don't do connecting in our prologues, yeah. do we? Of course, we don't. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh no, that's against the, uh, the writers' union. What did you think, John? Yeah. Um, I like the writing. Um, I, I like the way it was written. I haven't haven't got a clue what's going on, um, and if and if that's the entirety of the prologue, then I think that's okay. I would read as far as that, not knowing what was going on. If I then turn the page and in chapter one, you get a recognisable character, you get something something that you can connect with something that grounds the story um you know i i don't mind the first, i don't mind the prologue being like you know some kind of acid dream or something hmm. um as long as you come down as soon as uh quickly enough um so yeah yeah the the writing i thought was good um the writing was I, I think what I'm saying is the writing was interesting enough to keep me reading, even though I didn't understand what was going on. But only yeah. up to that point. Yeah, yeah. And so, I want, now, now I want, to, even if I don't know what's going on in the prologue, I want to know something that's happening. I want to understand something in the story now, and I want to meet a character properly. Yeah, yeah. Do we, do we need this as a prologue? Couldn't this just be the you know, first? I mean, this could be a, a short paragraph, really, couldn't it? And then the the story kicks in, really, couldn't it? Or I don't know. It could. I mean, I, I, I don't know, I, because I haven't read the rest of the story. I go. think it could be that getting into the first, part, for, first chapter, and it would completely make sense then why you had to have this long kind of acid dream first. Yeah. Um, it, it, it could completely make sense. Yeah, it's not but, that original way of starting. I mean, you know, someone wakes up and no. they think, who am I, where am I? Some weird people over there. That's not yeah. desperately original. That can be covered in a, in a, in a short sentence or two, really. It's vivid yeah. writing. It's vivid writing, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. You've got, got a definite sense of atmosphere, mm. but, but yeah. no sense of character or story yet. 
Yeah, I want that story to kick in really quickly, especially if it's going to be YA. Um, yes. So he's a soldier. I mean, there's so many interesting questions there. And actually, the comparison that I think PJ made in the in the genius room is with Bourne, of course, and that's exactly the same start there. Who is he? Where is he? <gasps> he's a super soldier! And it, it goes on yeah. from there. Yeah. It also made me think just a little bit of Rogue Trooper as well. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the 2000 AD comic strip absolutely i have to say too i can i can see why you don't normally allow the the writers to do the reading because it's so tempting to want to give a critique of the reading and to go on to give marks for the reading as well you know it was that that was that was an interesting experience Um, yes it it certainly was actually and it made it made it feel quite different Yes, that's right. It good, it's, it's, it, it's lovely. I mean, I, I actually think it's a skill that most writers do have to develop, actually. But um, I, I, you do, I'm sure. You know, you do lots of storytelling. You, you go in to meet your readers in schools and things. But the thing is, I mean, it's mostly technical, actually. We did try. And we found we had to keep sending sending stuff backwards and forwards. It wasn't yeah. the same format. We had to do a lot of post-production editing. It's just a frigging nightmare, actually. So we, <laughs> we, we now have our, our pro team of narrators, uh, some of whom are actually with us now in the, in the genius room because they double up as genius as well. Um, so good they are too. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Uh, push push your button, John, and we oh, shall yeah. we shall see uh, where we stand now at the end of. Well, well, I think it's see. been a great show. Actually, I've enjoyed it. Hope you have. Um, let's look at the numbers now and see. And now it's not it's not coming yet. Oh, just, it I has come in there. There we go. <laughs> okay, yes. And you got a 58. I hope you're pleased with that, Danny. I think there's lots of bags of potential there. I have to mark on what I see. Um, that's you, you often find agents, particularly agents, not so much publishers actually, but agents get awfully excited about the promise of something. So I constant, constantly have to hold myself back. I can always see lots and lots of potential, but I've just marked you know, um, on, on what, what I see in front of me. I'm not quite sure how it's going to develop. But I, I can see lots of potential in that. But it does mean, doesn't it? What Let's look at the numbers now, shall we? Oh, let's look at the numbers now, shall we? Yes, that's it. I think we've got... Oh, actually, look. That's interesting. Charlotte's gone down a little bit because... Last time I looked at 68, now it's gone down to 66. Um, that that does happen. It's not somebody fixing the votes. It's simply what it is a reflection of more and more people in the genius room voting, and therefore taking the average up a bit or down a bit. But what it means, thank you very much, Danny T. What it means is we do have a very clear show winner. <laughs> Congratulations, Charlotte. We all liked it. We all really liked it. I think you've got a very interesting future ahead of you there. And I think your finger's right on the pulse too, actually, in terms of, you know, verse novels. I think you've got it. I just, one more time, just want to say to you, I had some great advice there actually from John on Genius Room, appreciated a lot. But I do want you to uh, just do your search, pop-up submissions, Louisa Reed, Louisa Reed. Um, and get hold of her book, Wrecked, actually, because it's just, I think it's an absolute trailblazer in the area, and it's just got such amazingly good reviews. So it could be a very commercial concept, and right time for you as well. However, your fabulous success today does not alter the fact we do have a stonkingly big monthly winner for, yes, it is that time of the month. T. 
80 points, 80 votes. I mean, it just happens so rarely, actually, so rarely. It'll be many a month, possibly, maybe even many a year until we see such a high score again. So, Becky, we think you've got a great future. We're going to do everything we can over the next few weeks to get that submission into print. Now, um, I'm going to say thank you to everyone who took part today. Obviously, Annie. Obviously, John. Thank you to the people behind the, t- the scenes as well. Kate and Rachel, and of course, Emily and her fabulous team of narrators. Thank you to one of all who to whom we owe absolutely everything and thank you to you as well for joining us live today youtube twitter where else you've been joining us we are going to do it all again same time next week give us a like see you then hit it Ready, ready.